Hello again, and welcome to Nuclear Hot Seat, the weekly podcast keeping you up to date on all nuclear news, with the emphasis on empowering we the people to have a nuclear reaction of our own and take action against the reactors. My name is Libby Halevi, and the reason I'm doing this podcast is that I was one mile from the nuclear accident at Three Mile Island when it happened. This program is my citizen activist response to all things nuclear in the wake of Fukushima, which has been a wake-up call for us all. Later in the program, I'm going to be talking with Michael Marriott, who is the Executive Director of the Nuclear Information and Resource Service, and we will be focusing on some practical actions any one of us can take to support the growing anti-nuclear movement in this country. And in the holistic part of the program, I always try and give some information on what we can do health-wise, I'm going to be talking about pet detox from radiation and what we can do. I've got some really good suggestions on that. Today is Tuesday, July 19, 2011, day 130 since Fukushima began on March 11th, and there is no end in sight. So here is the latest nuclear news. Uh, there's a report that the air sample in Tokyo is 270, that's 270 times more contaminated with cesium-137 than global weapons fallout when they were at their peak. In other words, bombs exploding in the air, this is 270 times more than the greatest amount of cesium-137 measured uh, when we were exploding uh, nuclear bombs above ground. This information from Christopher Busby, who is the Scientific Secretary of the European Committee on Radiation Risks, and it appeared as part of an interview that he gave on U.S. Uh, Ustream, Ustream.tv, uh, and I will post that link on the uh, group site for Nuclear Hot Seat because it's a little too elaborate to give and expect you to actually be able to pick up on it. The next thing for Fukushima, that that poor beleaguered part of the Earth, um, there's a typhoon that is set to land on Japan, and it looks like Fukushima is going to be getting it as well. Uh, landfall with winds above hurricane strength are expected. Uh, it says here the early part of this week, that could be any day now. And Tokyo Electric, TEPCO, uh, is rushing to install a cover over a building at its crippled nuclear reactor to shield it from the wind and rain as the typhoon, which is now called Ma-On, uh, approaches Japan's coast from the south. Uh, work on the cover for the turbine building of the number three reactor started at about 8.30 a.m. on Monday. Yet the initial report that I have that there was a typhoon on its way was something that I downloaded last week. You think they could like pay attention and maybe plan things ahead of time? Anyway, they're rushing to install that cover to see if they can shield it from uh, rain and wind as the storm approaches. Now, here's an interesting factoid that came up this week. The Fukushima plant site originally was a hill safe from, the, from any tsunami. You know, you might wonder why wasn't a coastal nuclear plant built on a location safe from any tsunami threat? Well, an interview with Katsumi Naganuma, who is 70 years old, he's a former worker at Tokyo Electric, and uh, he knew that a 35-meter high, and he was working at the plant at a time when a 35-meter high tsunami-safe bluff overlooking the sea was chosen to be the site of the Fukushima plant. However, it was shaved down 
by 25 meters. And the plant was erected on artificially prepared ground that was only 10 meters above sea level. Now, you might be wondering why in the world did they do that? And uh, in an interview with the Japan Times, Masatoshi Toyota, who's 88 years old and a former senior vice president of TEPCO, said one of the reasons the utility lowered the bluff was to build the base of the reactors directly on solid bedrock to mitigate any earthquake threat. Sounds good, right? But in truth, TEPCO decided to build the plant on low ground based on a cost-benefit calculation of the operating cost of the seawater pumps according to two research papers separately written by senior TEPCO engineers in the 1960s. Here's a direct quote from the man who was the deputy head of TEPCO's construction office in the January 1969 issue of a technical magazine on power plants. He said, quote, We decided to build the plant at ground level after comparing the ground construction costs and operating costs of the circulation water pumps. I wonder how that cost-benefit analysis is working out for them these days. Somehow, I don't think it was too much of a bargain. Now, there, in terms of the beef in Japan, uh, I reported last week that uh, contaminated beef that was showing high levels of cesium had appeared on the Japanese commercial market and had gotten into the hands of consumers. And government officials now admit responsibility for the follow-up that let that tainted beef enter the nation's food supply. Officers of the Agriculture, Forestry, and Fisheries Ministry have admitted they did not consider the possibility of cattle ingesting straw contaminated by radioactive substances emitted by the Fukushima nuclear power plant. A total of 143 beef cattle suspected of being contaminated with radioactive cesium after ingesting straw that was stored outdoors were shipped from Fukushima Prefecture and distributed to wholesalers, retailers, and consumers in various prefectures. And there's no way to track down all of this beef. It's out there. Uh, about one week after the outbreak of the crisis at Fukushima, uh, on March 19th, the Agriculture Ministry issued written instructions regarding livestock feed to farmers via local governments. The document stipulated that any grass fed to livestock should have been reaped before the accidents at the plant and stored indoors since the accident. But they made no reference to rice straw because that's usually reaped in autumn and stored in warehouses to protect it from the winter elements. So, this is a quote, so we thought rice straw wouldn't have been affected by radioactive substances leaked from the plant, a senior agriculture ministry official said. However, a man who works in the livestock industry in Fukushima Prefecture said it is common knowledge that in areas with little snowfall, some farmers leave straw in the open air in winter to dry. Quote, if grass is contaminated with radioactive substances, so is straw. Is that so difficult to figure out? That's from the 33-year-old owner of a butcher shop in, uh, in uh, a different prefecture. Oh, so as of April 18th, you know, the Agriculture Ministry ordered livestock farmers near Fukushima to have their cattle checked for radioactivity before shipment, but they measured the amount of radioactive material on the surface of the animals' bodies. Shipment is allowed if detected radioactive emissions are below 100,000 counts per minute. That level of radioactive material on a human would require that person undergo full body decontamination, but it was okay to ship beef if they were somewhere within that that level. And from Dr. Helen Caldicott, 
uh, in a completely different post. She wrote, the only way to assess internal contamination from radiation, she was referring to people here, but internal contamination is to place the person in a whole body counter, and these are very few and far between. The same holds true for beef and other food. In other words, a very rare piece of equipment is required to figure out the internal contamination as opposed to the external contamination. Uh, and that was not done in Japan, which is why contaminated beef, contaminated with, with radioactive cesium, is now in grocery stores near people for them to purchase. I'm sure it has a very good price upon it. Um, here in the United States, uh, first I want to find out, Michael, are you on the call? Okay, we don't have Michael yet, so I'll just keep going with the news from the United States. Now, last week I reported that there was a wildfire, much like the one in Lo that threatened Los Alamos, uh, a, a wildfire north of Las Vegas that was threatening the nuclear testing site um, that is 65 miles north of, of uh, Las Vegas. That was the first fire. Then a second fire showed up in approximately the same area, again, threatening this site. The two fires together consumed more than 6,000 acres near the site. And according to officials, they're monitoring radiation levels to make sure the flames didn't stir up remnants of decades-old detonations. Um, this is near Area 51, and this is right next to the nuclear testing area where between the 1950s and the early 1970s, more than 80 above-ground nuclear bombs were blasted, were, were exploded to test radiation, to test the detonating devices, whatever. But that's what was done there, and that's the area that the fire was at least threatening, if not sweeping through. So we have no idea, again, what is in the, the smoke from there. Meanwhile, down in Los Alamos, they did duck the bullet with the fires, according to them, as um, it was kept, except for small areas where there were spot fires. The fire was kept off of the uh, Los Alamos National Laboratories. However, crews have now installed barriers to divert water and remove sediment as they work to prevent any trace of nuclear and other contamination from being washed downstream by flooding that is following the wildfire. Now, According to a member of the Los Alamos study group, which uh, provides leadership on nuclear disarmament and related issues in New Mexico, there has been a frantic community effort underway with mainly Native Americans sandbagging their own homelands while the Los Alamos National Laboratory just removed 12,000 cubic yards of contaminated soil from the, ca from the canyons. No saying where they stored that, that soil, but it was 12,000 cubic yards of it. But this is in advance of the of the storms that are coming with the rain and the potential to wash this nuclear um, uh, nuclear contaminated soil and other materials downstream. It burned off the fires burned off vegetation from two canyons that were upstream from the fire, and heavy runoff from storms is expected to cause flash flooding over the over the summer. Now. The work that's being done with the, the barriers is designed to help stabilize canyons and prevent runoff from stirring up, quote, trace amounts of Cold War era contamination. Trace amounts. Half-life of cesium, strontium, plutonium, this stuff is still alive. It's still out there, and it may be coming to a water source near you. Uh, now, the NRC 
is required to make public listings of any quote-unquote unusual events that happen at nuclear power plants. And uh, in the last week alone, there have been two of these registered. The first was on July 14th at the Salem Salem Unit 2 plant in New Jersey. Uh, The reactor coolant system leakage was greater than 10 gallons per minute. Gee, they're allowed to leak up to 10 gallons per minute, I guess. Uh, the leak rate was 11 to 15 gallons per minute, and that caused a shutdown of the reactor so that the leak could be fixed. And uh, according to the updated report, um, the plant is in mode three and is preparing cool down, even though the leakage rate uh, has been lowered. A second unusual event was registered in Tennessee following the recent tornadoes there uh, at the Browns Ferry nuclear plant. They had more problems during recent tornadoes than the TVA told the public after winds took down power lines and the plant went into automatic shutdown. Uh, According to the NRC reports, reactor operators became distracted while manually operating cooling water flow to the Unit 1 reactor. This is in the wake of the tornado. And water began boiling off faster than it was replaced. Uh, Browns Ferry ran on diesel generators power for five days after the shutdowns. And when one of the generators failed, there was a temporary loss of shutdown cooling for one reactor for about 47 minutes. So while they say, the uh, the experts, quote, unquote, the, um, uh, the nuclear establishment is saying the equipment worked as designed, the plant was safely shut down and cooled down, um, activists have said beware of these phrases because they're very general and they don't necessarily speak to the specifics of what was going on. I want to check right now again to see if Michael is on the line. Okay, we do have an interview lined up. I hope Michael will be able to do it. I hope nothing has come up to uh, take him away. Otherwise, the show is going to be very short today. Um, Now, here's something that is not quite in our backyard, but it's pretty darn close. That high levels of radiation have been detected in Canadian rainwater that was sampled in uh, near Lake Louise in British Columbia. Now, British Columbia, for those of you who don't have a map of Canada in your minds, that is the furthest west province in Canada. It is the one that is closest to the Pacific Northwest where we showed radiation coming down in the wake of Fukushima. Uh, It also corresponds to the jet stream coming out of Fukushima. Um, As I have learned, the jet stream is what has been carrying the preponderance of um, uh, nuclear materials from the uh, from the problem at Fukushima uh, towards the United States. We here in Los Angeles are somewhat fortunate in that the jet stream kind of brings it north of us, but from San Francisco north up the coast, and especially in the Pacific Northwest, uh, there are reports that radiation up there has been particularly hard. Um, in the immediate wake of Fukushima, when that first plume came across, according to Arnie Gunderson from Fairwinds, uh, associates, um, which is a nuclear consulting firm, uh, the amount of hot particles, meaning plutonium radi- radiated particles, uh, were that were capable of being inhaled by someone in the Seattle area, for example, um, was up to six particles per hour. Any one of those inhaled that lodged in the lungs would create lung cancer. 
That's a guarantee because that's what the hot particles do. So in Canadian rainwater, this came from a video that was posted on YouTube. Now, there are a lot of citizen activists out in the world who are walking around with uh, Geiger counters and posting YouTube videos showing this is my Geiger counter and this is what I've done with it, and this is all real time. Nothing's edited. They're simply showing the results that they've gotten. At times, uh, around Fort Calhoun, there were reports uh, that were um, that were posted that showed that the radiation had not raised, at least at the time that I last checked those. This one is put out together by someone who uh, labels himself Connecting Dots 1. That's the number one on YouTube. That's what he posts under. And it is showing this uh, the level and the Geiger counter display reads, quote, Dangerous Radiation background. Something to think about if you're planning your Canadian vacation, you might want to go further inland. Um, although in the words of the uh, Holly Near song, ain't nowhere you can run. This stuff is everywhere. It's not going to go away and we need to protect our health. I'll be talking about that in a moment as well. Uh, another try. Michael, are you on the call? Okay, I guess something came up. He hasn't been available for that. Moving on, some more about the food supply. Uh, in Japan, radioactive cesium exceeding government standards has been detected in shiitake mushrooms grown indoors in two cities in Fukushima Prefecture. Uh, this took place about 60 kilometers, give or take a little, about 40 miles from the nuclear plant. Now, what makes this important and frightening is that it's the first detection of radioactive cesium exceeding the standard in produce grown inside greenhouses. Um, the level of radiation was more than three times the provisional government's limit of 500 becquerels per kilogram, which I believe was also elevated. They kind of, one of the ways that they stayed within levels of acceptable radiation was just to raise the numbers. Kind of like what happened with the mortgage meltdown. They just crunched the numbers in a different way and lowered the amount of money you had to make so that it looked good on paper, but it didn't change the facts of the matter. So, And still, three times the radiation, that more than three times the radiation uh, that the provisional government sets as, as uh, being acceptable is there in the shiitake mushrooms. And the irony of this is that shiitake is one of the mushrooms that is used to detoxify the body. Shiitake and maitake mushrooms are very good for that. I don't know what it means when the detoxifying mushrooms have been toxified before we have a chance to even get to them and use them. And one more item on the food front. And, I, and, and let's put this one in quotes because there's not a lot of information. I did read it on enenews.com, which I find one of the better sources for nuclear information. Uh, they update all the time. But that someone uh, who is doing research on radiation levels in food in the Los Angeles area found peaches with radiation at more than double site background levels. Um, the two, there were two peaches found. They were sold in a Santa Monica market, and they were uh, with background radiation of 39 CPM. The two peaches had 81 CPM, or over twice the background level. Now, I have as yet been able to find out such things as where were those peaches sourced? 
Were they locally grown? Were they brought in perhaps from the Pacific Northwest? What kind of peaches were they? Were they because there are there are different ones. There's the yellow ones. There's the white ones. There are little donut peaches. So is it a particular type of peach? Was it grown at a particular level? How many peaches were tested? And was this tested with a Geiger counter, which can only measure external radiation, or did they have that special equipment for measuring the internal radiation? So, again, this is an item that I'm putting uh, in quotes, but just to be aware that um, eventually this stuff is going to enter the food chain, and uh, perhaps it has already. Again, not a fully... I am going I am still looking to find out if this can be confirmed or not. Um I did find a good site that deals with um radiation and food and how to have a healthier food supply in the future and that is enviroreporter.com. That's E N like Nancy, V as in Victor, I R O reporter.com. And uh the citizen activists on that site are presenting information about buying, growing, and having a supply of nuclear-free food. One more try for uh, Michael. Are you on the line? Michael from uh, NIRS. Well, hopefully we can pick up uh, that conversation at another time. What I'd like to do now is switch over into a more holistic uh, way of looking at things because um, it's important for us not just to be aware of the bad news, but also some of the things we can do on our own behalf for our health of the health of ourselves and also the health of our loved ones. And there hasn't been a lot of attention paid to what the exposure to radiation would do to our four-legged friends, our winged friends, our little thinned friends in tanks as opposed to the ones in the oceans who are really getting it very badly. Um, I had a wonderful exchange of email with uh, a woman named Tony. I don't have her last name here, but she runs a holistic breed-specific rescue and sanctuary called Happy Tales Rescue. And you can find her at www.happytalesrescue.com. She is a naturopath, and as I said, she operates this breed-specific rescue and sanctuary, and she was very happy to share with me what she is doing for the animals in the care of her and the other people at the uh, at the shelter. And Tony says, the easiest way that we detox dogs, cats, horses, llamas, and goats is to sprinkle bentonite clay on top of their water. Bentonite offers more than 60 minerals, plus it binds and removes radiation from their bodies, allowing it to pass safely through their bodies in bound form and excreted. At the same time, it also removes other heavy metal toxins, viruses, parasites, and bacteria. So bentonite is really good stuff for ourselves and for our animals. She reports... We find that dogs will drink more water when they see the bentonite floating on top. Well, you may have conditioned your dogs to that, but mine looked at it and went, Mom, I like clean water, not this, so I'm still working on how to get this stuff in her. As for the amount, she says, I don't really measure it. I have a small bath salt scoop that I use, several for in a horse trough, and maybe a tablespoon in a dog dish of water. 
Just to know, you may see increased urination and excrement as part of the detox process. Just know that that is completely normal. Make sure to use the correct clay, which is either bentonite or French green clay. Now, there's a huge cost difference between the two, with bentonite being the least expensive. I certainly found very inexpensive bentonite uh, at my local Whole Foods. You can find places to source it online. And Tony reported to me, I don't like to promote any particular line of products or any provider, but she said that all profits that she receives from selling these products goes to support the animal shelter. So this is hitting me on two of my major uh, issues at the same time. So if you would like this information, you can go to happytalesrescue.com and check out the various vendors that she carries on her site. Oh, by the way, if you have chinkle, if, excuse me, if you have chickens, she sprinkles it in their water, but she also scatters zeolite on the ground along with their regular food. So as they're pecking along in it, they get a chance to pick up the zeolite at the same time. This is also a very strong de- detoxifier. And one final note from Tony, zeolite is excellent for the garden because it binds radiation to the soil and prevents plant uptake. So that's an important piece. If you are a backyard gardener, of course you're going to wash at least two to three times anything green leafy or growing outdoors. Don't just pluck it off the plant and pop it in your mouth. That's what I've done for years, but I no longer do it. You need to wash it at least two to three times. Make sure that the wash includes grapefruit seed oil because that will take any external radiation off. To protect the soil, you mix zeolite in it binds the radiation to the soil, and maybe the soil isn't happy, but the water that the plants uptake will be clean and you will not have internal radiation. One last time on Michael. Are you on the line? Okay. Uh, we are going to try and have Michael of uh, the uh, National, uh, excuse me, the Nuclear Information and Resource Service um, in the near future. I know I'm going to be meeting him at an event in a few weeks, and hopefully I'll be able to grab an interview with him then. Uh, One last thing uh, on the positive side, and that is Japan, which has been a very well-behaved, polite, obedient population within the country. They have so been shaken out of their complacency that activism is popping up all over the place. I've spoken about the moms who are now demonstrating with sunflowers and they have blogs and they are posting. Uh, there are people posting uh, directly from Fukushima. Um, there is a government official there who is just part of the regular government of the city of Fukushima who posted a long, um, uh, about six-minute YouTube video that has been translated now into both English and French telling people how they need help, they're not getting the information they need, and they need protection and the government is not providing it. Here's one last piece, and that is lawyers from around Japan are now joining hands to take legal action to shut down nuclear power plants. Huzzah, huzzah! Thus far, over 50 lawyers from 20 separate prefectures that host nuclear power plants have convened in Tokyo. They did this this past Saturday, July 16th. They have decided to file a lawsuit to stop the resumption of Reactor 1 at the Oi plant in Fukui, pardon the pronunciation there, prefecture. Uh, this was about to be taken offline because of a malfunction. Good reason to take a plant offline. They are also, these lawyers are also going to file to prevent the restart 
of Reactor 1 at the Takahama plant, which is undergoing regular scheduled inspections. The lawyers intend to launch a procedure in autumn to stop the construction of the Oma plant and Aomori prefecture. This project has been suspended since March 11th and the start of the Fukushima disaster. My question is, where are the U.S. lawyers to form a brigade to do the exact same sort of work? Wouldn't that be great? So if any of you listening to this know any attorneys who would be interested in joining with other attorneys and maybe looking into what the legal possibilities would be here in the United States to start some action, I would love to facilitate this. What you can do is go to um, Facebook and then search on Facebook for Nuclear Hot Seat and uh, you can either send me a message there or you can post on the wall, and I will do what I can to facilitate people getting in touch with each other. So um, I'm wondering, is there anybody on the call who has any questions, any subject matter I might be able to illuminate, or if I don't have the answer, someplace where I might do some research in the coming week and come back to you? Well, I know there are people on the line because I'm not hearing that silly music. Anybody. If you're not comfortable speaking out and you would like to get the information to me, you can go to Facebook and, again, search Nuclear Hot Seat. You can post anything there. You can send me a message. I will be happy to respond to it. And know that, yes, the website is under control. It's it's being written, and um, hopefully it will be up in the next 10 days to two weeks so that we will have one place for the ingathering of all our information. So in closing today, this has been Nuclear Hot Seat for Tuesday, July 19th, 2011, day 130 since Fukushima began on March 11th, and unfortunately there is no end in sight. Now, you can find us and links to previous programs by going on Facebook and searching under Nuclear Hot Seat. And again, website will be forthcoming. Pardon me, I'm a, I'm a boomer Luddite. It takes me a while to get around to these things, but it is under construction. I am getting help with it. So this is Libby Halevi of Heartistry Communications, the heart of the art of communicating, reminding you that we've all had our nuclear wake-up call. Now, don't go back to sleep. Stay safe, stay healthy. I'll be with you again next week.